1: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, where I share simple and scientific strategies to help you take back control of your mental health and life. In this episode, I chat with humanistic psychologist and host of the number one psychology podcast in the world, The Psychology Podcast, Scott Barry Kaufman about the power of self-actualization, the roadmap for finding purpose and fulfillment, and how Maslow's hierarchy of needs is incomplete and lacking a vital element. Scott also shares some great practical tips to help you overcome roadblocks and setbacks in life. Before we begin, I have some exciting news to share. You can now pre-order my new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. This book really dives into how to use my five simple and scientific steps to reduce anxiety, depression, and toxic thinking habits. In this book, I include my most recent clinical trials, how to use the five steps with children, and for common toxic thinking habits like overthinking and people-pleasing, and I dispel some common myths like the idea that it takes 21 days to build a habit. The book will be out March 2021, but if you pre-order now, you will get some amazing bonus content like access to an exclusive book club with me, a downloadable workbook, bonus chapters and more. Just go to cleaningupyourmentalmess.com to pre-order. The link will also be in the show notes. One more note, if you like this podcast and want to know how you can help continue to make episodes possible, please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribing and keep sharing with friends and family and on social media. And now, on to today's episode. I am so excited to have the notorious SBK in the studio with me today. Actually, (laughs) aka Scott. Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to get on this Maslow sailboat with you.
0: Oh, yay. I love that. I love your spirit so much. I appreciate that. I'm I'm glad to be here
1: a pleasure you've before we dive in can you just tell my audience about who you are and i'd love you to tell us what's not in your bio and what motivates you like what gets your sailboat going
0: oh boy what gets my sailboat revved up well first of all who am i well i mean i am a humanistic psychologist so i'm interested in how we can realize our full potential and i'm interested in in people who are have talent loss like like Kids with learning disabilities, you know, are we are we really bringing out their best potential? Kids, I'm interested in gifted education, and I'm interested in well, all people, you know, mm. and, and all the ways that we we block our self actualization. So that's my research interest in things. I was an opera singer at one point, and wow. auditioned for a, a TV show called American Idol, and Amazing. got rejected twice, and realized that psychology. It was pretty much the, the best best decision for me.
1: <laughs> wow, that's are you going to sing some opera for us today?
0: <laughs> I dream a dream that days gone by. I dream a dream a life's worth living.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Carry on. I think we should just do the podcast with you singing. <laughs> I dream that
0: love, love will never die. Oh, excuse me, that wasn't that good. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> so that was
1: great because you told us something that wasn't in your bio. I love that and I love that. That's that, what you that, asked for. Yeah, asked exactly. For and I, we got a demonstration as well. So, okay, so you as a humanistic psychologist, besides an opera singer, you've dived into getting into Maslow, that that you found some hidden pearls of wisdom that were not completed and you've actually gone ahead in your book and done that. So can you tell us about this book, Transcend, and yeah. what motivated you to write it and why you've taken Maslow to a whole new level, the science of self-actualization.
0: People may ask, well, who is Abraham Maslow? Why should I give a shit about Abraham Maslow? I don't a lot of cur- curse on your podcast, but <laughs> people might be like, like, who cares? Like Scott, calm down about this, dude. But here's, but here's the thing. I think that in this modern age, it'd be so much more helpful for us to value each indi- each person's individual journey to... Have their own sacredness and uniqueness actualized. Instead, what we see is such a focus on happiness. We put pressure on people mm-hmm. to be happy. It's like, no, what if I don't want to be happy? Like, <laughs> I have to. Like, like, it's there's value in in, in being melancholy sometimes, yeah. right? There's value yeah. in in bringing your your whole self to the table. Mm-hmm. And you know, we also focus a lot on achievement and 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 you know, you, you see the phrase high performance all the time. No offense if, mm. if you use that word a lot mm. on your own podcast, but Actually people don't. are always talking about like high performance, high performance, you know, and, and and I wanted to revive a lot of the thinking of the humanistic psychologists in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s who talked about things such as peak experiences and social action and responsibility and self-actualization and creativity and realizing your full potential and growing and and, and growth was the goal, not Achievements, or even happiness—momentary, fleeting moments of happiness. Mm. So, I really wanted to bring back these ideas. I really fell in love with them when I first discovered the writings of the humanistic psychologist Abraham Maslow, but also a lot of other humanistic psychologists during that period. Really thought that their way of talking about human nature was really spot on and needed in such a polarized world that we live in, and and then even now with this coronavirus, not just polarized, but in some ways, we've actually united
1: yes. as, as
0: a species. You know, yes. we went from being polarized to now we're all just scared of the same thing.
1: Yeah. And, and also, I, I, to go to that point, we're all facing a common enemy. We're coming together. We are. There's yeah. so much more deep, meaningful connections. So That's it's kind exactly of right. like exactly related right. to the work that you're doing and, and what you've written in the book. So so this book, ex- so carry on. I like what you're saying. So you were attracted to the philosophy of the humanistic psychologist in the 1340s. Oh, yes. And so that was much more of an emphasis on not just looking for this externalization of constantly wanting to be happy and not having any sadness which is very much a thing today to get back to much more of a deeper embrace process that's one of the things i teach all the time is embrace process reconceptualize i I do clinical trials and your your brain is not designed to just be an avatar you are supposed to be very deep thinking and it's part of your growth and that's why i like your work because i think we're talking the same
0: language oh for sure for sure yeah i'm I'm, I'm glad that you get it i'm glad that you get it but you know, this field of psychology today, and even neuroscience research, is is very reductionistic. Very. It, it takes a very like a, a particular slice of who we are, and treats that as though that's all there is to that human. So mm-hmm. you bring someone in, you scan their brain. Let's see what happens. What's IQ? What's IQ correlated with in the brain? What brain mm-hmm. areas are intelligence? Know. And we're each of us. We're a lot more than our IQ score. We're a lot exactly. more than our. To gosh, more than my dorsolateral prefrontal cortex exactly. activation, because I don't exactly. got much of that activation. <laughs> anyway. So I wish, I wish, I hope I'm more than that. Uh, oh, gosh, I agree just with judged, you. Just judged on that.
1: Trying to reduce us down to a, biolo- you know, a human complex, human emotions down to a biological correlate is just not the way to do it. I've written so much about that and teach so much about that too. And as one of the reasons in my clinical trials I've just done, I actually had a look at across the board, the brain doesn't tell you it doesn't produce the mind, it responds to the mind. So we've got to look at us as a unique human. And I look from the narrative, the psychology, the physiology, the neurophysiology. And what was that, fa- you said something earlier on that just triggered the reason I'm telling you this is you see we've got to look at each person's unique individual, you said something along those lines and that's one of the right. things that I pushed in, in in the analysis is to look at everyone as an individual case study because I'm trying to also come against this current trend where, which has been going on for about 30 to 60 years now of reducing everyone down to just biological correlates and go away from and just trying to generalise and say your brain looks like this therefore this is depression as though it's some illness or an it. It's not, it's a signal of a story and we each individual case studies. And that's why I think I was very attracted to your work, because you talk a lot about the individual. I just told you about your book. <laughs> now well, you tell us about your book. <laughs>
0: no, you told me a lot about you. <laughs> you told me a lot about you and your, your great, the great work that you're doing and your, and your perspective, which does seem very aligned with, with my perspective. You know, this book was a real personal journey that I went on for five years trying to scientifically test a lot of these ideas that the humanistic psychologists put forward because a lot of the humanistic psychologists were dismissed by the field of psychology as poets, not not scientists. Mm, (laughs) Why why should we listen to them? They're not doing rigorous scientific studies. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do rigorous scientific studies and show they had a lot of brilliance. And I tested one thing. I did is I tested Maslow's writings in the 50s of what are the characteristics of self-actualizing people, and I wondered how many of the characteristics that he proposed would stand, you know, stand up to empirical scrutiny, as they say. And I found 10 characteristics exist, and I I put it up free on my website, selfactualizationtest.com. Anyone can go there and and find out what their main sources of self-actualization are, and it can range from Maybe authenticity is your root. Maybe that's your thing where you really value being. And I define authenticity, by the way, as not as saying whatever's on your mind whenever you want. That's just being an asshole. I define <laughs> authenticity as, <laughs> as, as actually staying true to your values in environments that, that challenge them. To me, a true test of authenticity is when you're challenged, not when it's mm, easy.
1: I like um, that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And I talk about creativity as a route to self actualization and, and, concern for your fellow humans humanitarianism and and appreciation of it's called newness of appreciation so well appreciating something you see over and over again every day you know but yet still being able to recycle that gratitude for it not always having gratitude for new things but being able to cherish your partner you know even if you feel like you get them or you know you're always Mm going to discover new depths of their being right so yes
1: This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, my one-stop shop for affordable, sustainable, healthy household products, from home and personal care to premium pantry staples, all in one place. I've been using Public Goods for months now and absolutely love their healthy pantry staples like organic pastas, soups and more. With the upcoming holidays, I know I will be doing a lot of cooking, baking and cleaning, so I've been stocking up on everything I need from Public Goods. I don't have to wait in line at stores and I end up saving so much money. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly and innovative products like sulfate-free shampoo, hand sanitizer and tree-free paper products. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals and the environment. Knowing what's in your products and where they come from is important. Small changes in the way we shop can make a big impact on personal health and the world at large. We worked out an exclusive deal just for cleaning up the Mental mess podcast listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right they are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com forward slash Dr. Leaf or use the code Dr. Leaf at checkout. That is p-u-b-l-i-c-g-o-o-d-s.com forward slash Dr. Leaf to receive $15 off your first order. Oh, I love that. okay, so if you had to describe yourself in terms of this newly tested it's like filling in the gaps because I see in your book you talk about the filling it that's almost like the unfinished it's not a pyramid. i, I start with that. Everyone knows, huh. everyone, knows, huh? everyone knows everyone knows everyone yeah, everyone knows it's a, as a pyramid, but you say it's not a pyramid and there's a lot of yeah. unfinished stuff and it's actually more like a sailboat. and I thought that analogy was really good. And then tell you. us about you and and this well, those you. needs. I'd like to hear that
0: what you mean about me and my own yeah, needs in terms of yeah, my needs?
1: exactly i want to because that's practical so people can understand because if you've if you've worked in this you've got this in your head about how this works so tell us about the pyramid versus either sailboat versus the pyramid because i think most people are familiar with the pyramid most even if people, they didn't
0: are, even even if if they they know
1: it was with maslow they maslow. know that there's a pyramid yeah. of needs yeah
0: they've seen it diagrammed on Facebook with toilet paper at the bottom. Exactly. You know, or like... <laughs>
1: at the top or bottom, yeah, or both, all the way bottom, through.
0: <laughs> Wi-Fi, Yeah, the toilet papers get stuck. Yeah, But so on, on
1: but every on every level yeah, there's a toilet roll. <laughs> yeah, every
0: single level. Uh, you might see it with Wi-Fi or, or a battery at the bottom as well, you know, like that's the most essential need. <laughs> but whatever the iteration, the general idea is that, that life is some sort of like video game or something where you have increasing levels of needs and that you need to to satisfy a level before you can go to the next level. So, you know, you need to satisfy your need for like food, safety, water, and then connection and and love and belonging. And then if you can do that, then some voice from above is like, congrats, you've unlocked (laughs) self-esteem. And then you can go up to the self-esteem level. And then if you have your self-esteem satisfied, then you to a certain reasonable degree, then you can really focus on self-actualization, self-actualization, becoming all that you're uniquely capable of becoming. Well Maslow, who who was credited for that, never actually drew a pyramid. And he, it was actually management textbooks in the 60s, a bunch of white men who decided to put a, it actually started off as a staircase. It actually was the first depiction of it I I, I found was staircase with the, the, the man at the top with the flagpole. (laughs) That's serious. I've done it.
1: You're like I've yeah. you know I can put yeah. my flag on top of yeah. of the mountain yeah. and I'm done I'm now. And now what? Now what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: now now now, now you're gonna be depressed. Now exactly. so. <laughs> Yeah. But but jump and off then, the mountain. And then, yeah, yeah exactly. There you go. And then people as well into a, a pyramid. Well, it just never was a pyramid. And Maslow, if you look at his writings, which I, I did it, at an unhealthy, obsessive level, <laughs> I look at his writings. <laughs> but what I found is that not only did he not draw a pyramid, but he really believed that human development was a constant two-step-forward, one-step-back dynamic. He, he argued, ultimately, we need to choose growth, choose growth. But he acknowledged that the fear, the fear option, is always is always so prevalent in our lives. It, in a lot of ways, it's 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 more enticing to us than the growth option. Growth requires getting out of your comfort zone. Growth—it's easy to fear things, right? You know, as a neurotic Jew, (laughs) I I, I fear I fear everything. But it's easy to fear. But you have to choose choose growth over and over again, the growth option. You know what? I'm going to consciously talk to this person, even though I'm terrified to do so. I need Mm to, I'm going to stick my neck out and, and risk looking stupid by doing something that I love, but knowing that, you know, it's the only way I'm going to grow. So Maslow, that's what he really emphasized. So I think the sailboat actually encapsulates that much better because with a sailboat, you have the boat, that you need to have secure to a certain degree, but it illustrates the fact that security alone is not enough for a full a full life. If you really want to explore the world, explore the sea, the vast amount of the sea, you need to you need to open that sail eventually and become vulnerable and open yourself to the wind, to the potential waves that may come down. You know, when you're sailing you you never know when there's gonna be rocky storms you still move. You're, You're constantly growing and moving. And I think the cellbook kind of has both those components to it.
1: I love that. It's not, it's un- there's the unpredictability in amongst the little bit of predictability and the, the, the change that can occur at any one moment, and you've got to be able to adapt to the change. So Nazo's whole thing was gross, but you've done more. You've taken it to another
0: level. I took it to even though we don't use the word level anymore, but Oh yes, you're not
1: supposed to use level, I forgot. Another way But I did. I, another... I
0: did uh, I, I did no, but I like the way you used it actually. I I took Maslow to the next level. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I have my own theory. Some people were like, you know, they suggested that I had too much Maslow in my book. That maybe I should have just, just been like, This is this is my theory, <laughs> you know. I'm I'm a big fan of giving credit where it's due. You
1: yeah and we all we all build on the giants of the of the shoulders the giants you can before. yeah yeah but, but you me. don't
0: see that a lot in a lot of self-help mm-hmm. books you mm-hmm. don't see that mm-hmm. if you uh, you know you they read self-help books in- they act as though you know what I'm they've invented like, they're like, it they're like emotional emotional intelligence 4.0 <laughs> you know it's like it, no one's ever
1: heard of this yeah. before but meanwhile yeah. it's everything you've just heard repackaged in another way yeah
0: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you get it I, you were on the same I get it. so i didn't want to be that guy you know and i you know and i wanted to show that you know I really was influenced deeply by the humanistic thinkers, but I did scientifically test to give myself some credit too. I did, I've done a lot of studies and, and argue that we need a better discussion of the needs. I, instead of self-actualization as a need, I break it down into three concrete needs, the need for exploration, the need for Mm -hmm. love and universal love and uh, the need for purpose. And I think those three work synergistically together, they work together in concert to help us self-actualize. We can't really grow to our full heights unless we have some aspect of, of those three.
1: Many of you ask me what multivitamin I take and why I take one. Well, after doing extensive research to find the best one for my body, I came across Ritual and I absolutely love it. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from our food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Two, easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients that you need to support a strong foundation for your health. For me... Transparency of ingredients and their sources were a deal-breaker in what I wanted in a multivitamin. So many vitamins out there have such questionable ingredients. But Ritual is traceable and transparent. For obsessive label readers like me, all of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are out there for the whole world to see. With Ritual, I know what I'm getting and what I'm putting in my body. No questions or concerns. Better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com forward slash DrLeaf to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link will be in the show notes. Can you g- give that in a practical example, either like I was trying to get you to tell you about, you know, part your own life or, or just, just a general example of well, how. Does, what, people, do, what does it look they, like? What does that look like? Yeah.
0: Sorry. Well, some of these needs, they come They come apart and not become integrated. And that disintegration is when the real problem happens. So let's say you could, you know, like people ask me, like, was, well, was Hitler self-actualized, you know? Well, he had a purpose, but he didn't have love for humanity. Maybe, maybe, maybe he did for the fellow Germans, but not, not, he certainly didn't have love for the Jews. (laughs) No, exactly. Or cripples, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, homosexuals. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have a, a general a, a, a deep abiding love for humanity. He mm-hmm. wasn't trying to raise the tide for everyone. You know, I, I think the integration is what's important and which is why we talk about some of these needs stripped of the context. Like transcendence is, is an interesting one. There are a lot of people who are pseudo transcending. You know, you see all these yoga pictures on mm-hmm. Instagram, whatever, and these people are deeply, some of them are depressed as all heck, but you know, you can't just expect that a yoga downward dog pose is gonna cure to f- your depression. deep insecurities mm-hmm. you know it's it's the integration you know when you Love yoga us. can be you can be integrated into a culture where you have connections with others where you certain yeah, I'm not by the way I'm not hating on, on yoga I want to be No no clear, no it's you no I'm no saying, no you're
1: putting it in yeah. context it's context. Yeah, context. it's not it's not the solution context.
0: Yeah yeah anyone who just tries to find one thing they think will will satisfy Fix. all their needs is, is the a recipe for disaster. And
1: that's very problematic. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's very problematic no. in the current wellness space where it's like mindfulness meditation is the answer or yoga is the answer that's or this right. diet is the answer. Nothing is the answer because, of it, as you said in the beginning, it's our uniqueness and there's so many options and combinations, but it's the integration. If I'm hearing you correctly, the growth will come you from are. the integration.
0: You're hearing me very correctly. You're hearing me loud and clear. So the the ultimate is to have a sense of, a base of exploration where you aren't scared of growth you aren't you're, you aren't fearful you're you're moving towards the unknown with excitement and that's what drives you is that spirit of exploration as a base
1: mm-hmm. built
0: upon a love for humanity Mm-hmm. build upon some specific meaning or a higher level goal or calling that you feel like you have. When those three are integrated together, then you start self-actualizing as a whole unit, as a whole person. You know, Self-actualization is about becoming a whole person. Self-actualization is not about just actualizing one tiny bit of yourself.
1: And that process is, is lifelong, isn't it? And you, to become a whole person is an onward an ongoing Absolutely. journey. Not an
0: achievement. Not an achievement. It's yeah. not a level. It's not a level to achieve. That's yeah. why I, I axed it as one of the needs, and I broke it down into three things. Because self actualization will emerge from that.
1: Mm, and it will change. I.
0: Would, yeah. Yes,
1: it's not a finite point. It's, a, it's an infinite growth process, It's continually Absolutely. growing all the time so if that looked like in terms of just bringing that back to your book that obviously your motivation behind the book i can just see those three things coming together your love of humanity whatever is kind of your motivational behind the book yes or no i mean how could you obviously this is your baby so that there's a purpose there you brought so tell me how you've taken the three aspects and how to produce this this book that you love
0: because you yeah, love this a,
1: information
0: yeah i do I, I think that
1: i'm making you think uh, now
0: well, you've, <laughs> had, you've been making me think <laughs> since the beginning of this interview. <laughs> but, I, I mean, self-actualization has different paths. Like I said, you can take the test. I tend to score very high in the truth-seeking one, and also pr- pretty high in authenticity and creative creative spirit. I was motivated a lot by my excitement to share with people the real accurate science of how they can live a life of deep fulfillment and creativity and peak experiences, and because there's a lot of like, father, you would call it dreck out there. There's a lot of dreck out there, you mm-hmm. know. And, and I don't know if anyone ever uses that word anymore. No, <laughs>
1: but, I think it's, it's yeah. a great word though.
0: Yeah, I think it might be Yiddish, but anyway, there is a lot of that, a lot of crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I and, like it. And and I want people Drake, to. I'm gonna use it now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want. I want to. I want to give. Uh, I. I, want, I really wanted to tell the truth about about what it really takes, and to make clear there's no hacks. There's no. I. I didn't write a book here. The five hacks to self-actualization yeah. please <laughs> smack me if i ever say that If I'm gonna, watch, uh, yeah, I'm gonna i'm yeah, gonna watch i'm gonna watch yeah. now
1: make sure you don't bring a book out that's called that
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah five the five acts five hacks to self-actualization yeah no no because Gosh. that's the point that's not the point the point is that you need to find out how you want to live your life in your own way, on your own terms. I do think that I'm very open-minded. I, I appreciate people who have all different sorts of lifestyles and ways of self-actualizing. I didn't write a book to tell you how you should how you should do it. It was a book to help give you the tools so that however direction you want to go in, you at least you have this the the boat that is secure and the and the sail that feels safe to open. But besides that. Go let your freak flag fly. <laughs> like, why not? Why Life not? Is why- short. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It, it kind of re- reminds me of Dan Butner's work. You know, this is the Blue Zones. I oh, interviewed yeah. him recently and I've, I love I his like stuff. You. And yeah, I like it's him. fantastic. And, you know, yeah, how the common to have a purpose, to have that, that's, you know, the, the things you've described seem to be encapsulating the, one of the main driving forces of people living longer, which is that spiritual and then that purpose, to have a purpose and then the community. You know, those three things were very much the top three reasons why people lived longer. And so it wasn't about having all that money in the bank and all the, you know, the, the kind of way that we've defined success, you know, at this day and age. Mm-hmm. So am I correct in understanding that you're trying to help people redefine success as a more innate kind of sense of being yeah. as opposed to yeah. accumulation of
0: goods? Well for sure. Being happy with what you have versus being endlessly desiring new possessions. Letting things grow and grow in meaning to you that you already have, or else you, nothing will grow in meaning if, if everything is new.
1: You've got to be able to take that the old and, and recycle and find deeper meaning yeah. and more uses for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or else you'll just be perpetually dissatisfied.
1: Take that further before I ask you this question. You're never going sure. to be satisfied. I like that. Just explain why. Why won't people ever be satisfied? And I mean, I know they know this logically, but...
0: Well, we, it's, I mean, that's built into the human DNA that we are always seeking more higher levels of motivation. Like we may obsess over a new TV and trying to find the perfect TV. We get the TV the next day, we forgot about it. It's like, yeah. it's like all the months of obsessing over finding the perfect TV, and then it's like we forgot about it after a day. Yeah. Yeah. Know? And we tend to treat people like possessions too. So mm-hmm. we will maybe have a partner and then passion wanes in their relationship and, you, and they take each other for granted and they start to treat mm-hmm. each other like possessions you know, that you have as opposed to a human being who's mm-hmm. in a state of growth. Mm-hmm. And so you take that for granted. So it's really part of our, our nature. And I don't deny human nature. I just try to figure out ways that we can, we can transcend, <laughs> shall I say, our lower needs. So that we can reach a more spiritual level of consciousness that's more mindful and open to experiences and grateful and aware, alive. To be fully alive is a great goal. (laughs)
1: Are you looking to take your mental health healing journey to the next level and find sustainable solutions to some of your biggest struggles? Then join me at my 2020 Virtual Mental Health Solutions Summit, December 3 through 6. I will be joined by amazing guest speakers like Dr. Daniel Amen, who will be sharing some strategies on how to stop those automatic negative thoughts and keep your brain healthy. And Dr. Henry Cloud, who will be discussing when and how to set boundaries and how to enforce those boundaries. I will also be joined by Dr. Nicole Lupera, who will be discussing how to heal from childhood trauma, secondary trauma and more. Dr. Will Cole will be sharing some great tips on how to reduce inflammation in our brains and bodies and what to do and eat for optimal mental and brain health. Finally, my good friend, singer and member of the hit group Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams and I will talk you through how to make brain detoxing part of your everyday routine. There will also be sessions on how to stop overthinking, how to deal with toxic people and words and so much more. We are also pleased to be offering CME and CEU credits. For more information and to register, visit drleafconference.com. That's D-R-L-E-A-F-C-O-N-F-E-R-E-N-C-E.com. The link will also be in the show notes. I love that. And that's what the humanistic psychologists were very focused on in the 30s yes. and 40s was that, and there was this move for the last 30, 60 years to, to, to the, in this reductionistic approach, as you mentioned, and now there's a, a definite shifting and an awareness back because it's not satisfying and it hasn't worked. It's it's causing mental health problems. It's causing, that's why I do this podcast, cleaning up the mental mess. I mean, a lot of it's coming from not really getting deep enough into who we are. You know, one of the the Parts of my research is I developed a theory 30 years ago, and then we spend the rest of our our life trying to understand. But you're like 30 years old
0: right
1: now. I've been working in this field for 38 years now already. No. Are you serious? (laughs) I'm serious. I'm serious. Oh my gosh. So it was about 30, almost 30 years ago, I developed this theory in in the research I was doing, which focused on understanding the non-conscious mind, which is that spiritual part of us, that biggest part of us, that 99% part of us, the part that's been literally ignored for the last 30 to 60 years with this focus on reductionism. And I've always been in the world of linking it to brain science. I've always, I was told, I've actually done a TED talk on this, I was told that it was a ridiculous question to try and investigate that your mind can actually, that the unconscious mind is actually filled with intelligence. It's not just this robotic thing and whatever. So just to come back to your point is when I read your, your book, I felt like I was connecting with that deep part of myself. And that's what we've got Wonderful. to revive and we've got to pull that back out. And we see that with the brain scans, when people think deeply, when they start trying to challenge themselves to understand these deeper things and go more spiritual, your brain goes into your brain response and it goes into like an incredibly high intelligence state. You get all the brain waves flowing, like you've got water in the background there. You get all the waves, the, the the delta and theta wave, which are these waves that are in the deep depths of the sea. That's what you want, these healing waves. And you're connecting with the deeper part of you and you become a different kind of person when you function like that. And that excites me. So based on that little yeah. bit of a explanation, you say we don't have to choose between self-development or self-sacrifice. At the highest level of human potential, we experience a deep integration of both. Talk about that.
0: What does it mean to be selfish when what is good for you, what, what excites you, what lights you up is simultaneously good for others and the world? That There's not such a separation between self and, and others. The word selfishness does have meaning when there's a huge gulf between what you're interested in and what is good for others. But when there isn't, what does that word mean anymore? You know, mm. I think that being able to have such a harmonious integration within yourself, not only within yourself where, you know, you're not fighting a war within yourself anymore with all these different sides of yourself, but also a great harmony between your, your whole self and the world. Well, that's, that's the ultimate level of integration when there's, when there's that connection with the world. You know, what gives you joy doing day in and day out gives others people joy all the time and that's that's the way to do it you don't need to self-sacrifice i think that there's too much i think it's unhealthy how much sometimes young people especially young girls are pressured to self-sacrifice and they never develop assertiveness skills or come into touch with their own real real needs and desires and act self-actualization potential because they're always helping others and doing things for others and you you do see that a lot of of yeah, young women, you know, and, and it can develop into disorders and things, and, and and I think that's really a shame. I mean, I think that one of the most heartbreaking things is to become an adult and live your life entirely based on what Karen Horney ta- called the tyrannical shoulds of your mm, lives. Tyrannical you know?
1: shoulds, yeah. Because yeah. if, if you if you if you sacrifice self sacrificing, but you're not self developing. At the same time, there's a big gap, and that's what's manifesting with that going into adulthood as that lack of that sort of angst. That's
0: exactly right. You know, I just probably I'm publishing a paper. It'll be I just got accepted, so it'll be out in a couple of weeks. Wonderful! Created, Congratulations. Well, I, well, thank you. <laughs> but I created a, a new scale called Healthy Selfishness Scale, and I'll be it'll be on my website myself actually
1: wow.
0: test website, so anyone can take the test. But I showed in this paper that. Those with uh, who score high on items, like I'm I like to meditate, exercise, I love to bring myself pleasure, even if it's not necessarily excuse me, bring other people pleasure. Like I, I have a lot of self-care, I have a lot of healthy assertiveness in my boundaries. I can say no, what is important called healthy selfishness. That was correlated with a lot of positive things, including pro social motivations, including, you know, people who take care of themselves tend to also want to help others in a healthy way. And I found that, that that was a positive thing. And then I we created another scale in the same paper. Called, we called it pathological altruism. People who feel an obsessive need to always wow. help others. We found that was correlated with the depression and correlated with low self-esteem and lots of bad things. So wow. we wanted to make a point in this paper that not all selfishness is bad and not all altruism is good.
1: That it's the balance. Bingo. Okay, so give us an example. Translate this into a day-to-day example.
0: Well, this, like like the items on the scale would be an example. So like if you have a pathological need to help others, maybe you're the type of person like you need to be needed. Like you need for others, you need to do things for others in order for you to feel good about yourself. Mm. You know, and that's not healthy. That's not a real genuine motive mm-mm, for helping. Mm-mm. And also those people we found, they tend to help people when the people don't even really want the help. You know, ah. it's really selfish. It's really it's you, you do it to not, make
1: yourself feel good, yes, as opposed yes. to mm-hmm. you not, everyth-
0: that- not everything that that is altruism is not selfish. That does, does a lot of knots.
1: That makes sense. So, what should that person be doing instead? They need to recognize it obviously, first. But what should they be well, doing? How could d- culti- they fix-
0: cultivate a little bit more healthy selfishness in their lives? A little more you know what, I'm going to binge watch a Netflix with wine tonight and I have no shame <laughs> over that whatsoever. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> And text everyone, text all your friends and say, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to Netflix binge and drink my wine. Leave away me message,
0: put an away message on your text. I don't know if you could do that. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to do that. And not feel a compulsive need to say yes to every request to help someone. Part of, part of becoming free a free self-actualized human being, becoming a whole person. A big part of that process is having the flexibility to make your choices not under compulsion, not not under, you know, the feeling of like I well, I must do this or I have to do this or else I'm a bad person. It's it's having a real expression of your real genuine drive. So when you have a real you know really listen to yourself and listen to your intuition. And when you don't feel When you feel like a real big drive uh, to to help someone, you care about the person, do it. But when you don't, and there's a voice telling your head, but I should, no, give yourself permission to say no. Yeah.
1: Did you know a magnesium deficiency could be the reason you struggle with sleeping issues? Magnesium increases GABA, which encourages relaxation on a cellular level which is critical for sleep. And magnesium also plays a key role in regulating your body's stress response system. Now, before you go out and buy a magnesium supplement, it's important to understand that most magnesium products out there are not the best for your brain or body. So, I did some research and found one that I believe is the best on the market. Magnesium Breakthrough by Bio-Optimizers. I've been taking magnesium breakthrough for a while now and have definitely noticed some improvements. When I wake up, I feel more calm, rested, and ready for the day. Get 10% of your order of magnesium breakthrough at biooptimizers.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. Be sure to use the Dr. Leaf 10 for 10% off. That's B I O P T I M I Z E R S dot com forward slash D R L E A F. Bio Optimizers also offers free shipping on select orders and they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee on all their products. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. Ah, so there's the key there. There's a little key thing is that if there's that voice in your head, and I'd call it the prompting from the non-conscious to the subconscious to, oh, I should be doing this. I feel bad. I feel guilty. But actually, all you want to do is go binge on Netflix because you actually just need a break because you've just been running off. You need to actually some me time. And it's, it, that's when you and if you ignore that. you it's It's damaging to your psyche, to your physical, to your brain, to everything. But if you if you do that, and now you may get a reaction because people are so used to you always being the one who says yes, they'll do it. But you've got to be strong against that reaction, don't you?
0: You have to be very strong. You had, you know, you, you had to do some self-assertion skills.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: like training, say yes to yourself. You know? I
1: like that. I like that. So they, that's where the selfishness is healthy.
0: Yes. Yes. And I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not getting all Anne Rand on you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know no. like, like, like there is unhealthy selfishness. Oh I'm not, yes. I'm not saying, but we, we distinguish that in our paper. We looked at healthy selfishness and it's distinction mm-hmm. with unhealthy selfishness, with healthy altruism versus unhealthy altruism. Okay, it's, a ner- some- it's a very nerdy paper, Dr. Caroline.
1: Uh, well, it sounds great. It sounds like one I want to Thank read, you. but now translate that into two, just give it, just define them. Explain for the, for the viewers and the listeners who may not read the paper or who may read it. Well, and unhealthy
0: some- selfishness we, it was like narcissism. So you can have an excessive okay. self-focus mm-hmm. where you never think about others. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's unhealthy. That's not good. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not, it's not what I'm advocating. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you just have excessive self-focus, you know. And, and, and you can have healthy altruism for sure when, where you have a real expression of a desire to want to help someone you know like you love someone or you care about someone you want to make their reduce their suffering that's a great thing i'm not mm. saying it's not a great mm. thing but all these things have have unhealthy flavors to them you know and and healthy flavors and like i already talked about what healthy selfishness looks like you know mm-hmm. it's not excessive self-focus but it's self-care it's valuing the freedom integrity and worth of Yourself.
1: Do you think people take enough time to investigate what that is, or are we, are we living under what you said, the should of? You said something with the should of, which was very funny. So
0: that's a tyrannical should. Tyra-
1: tyrannical shoulds. But do you, do you mm-hmm. think we're so conditioned by society, by these tyrannical shoulds, that we're really battling to give ourselves that good selfishness, which is that mental self care, or whatever you want to call it? I mean, there's a multitude of different things. Do you,
0: well, do you we're think- social animals. And of course, it's very tempting to because we want to look good to others. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we do a lot of, we say a lot of things maybe on social media because, you know, look how much I'm helping you, you know, cause we want to be liked, but <laughs> we have to value, like I said, value the authenticity, integrity, and, and freedom of ourself as well. And recognize mm-hmm. that, you know, The world will survive if you go two days on social media without bragging about something you did to help someone.
1: (laughs) Exactly. People
0: won't think less (laughs) of you. (laughs) They really won't, (laughs) you know. And people tend to actually respect people more who respect themselves.
1: Because it comes through in how they carry themselves and how they speak. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead.
0: No, exactly what you just
1: said. That's that authenticity. It's the old saying, isn't it? If you have to push yourself, well then there's an issue. But if people, if you're just confident in who you are, people are going to see that too, and people are attracted to that.
0: Yes, confident in who you are, but also you you love yourself. I like that. You have self-respect.
1: That is really good. The self-respect part, and that really ties in with everything that you've been speaking about in the book, is that self-respect is very, very significant because with self-respect, you operate differently, don't you? Talk about the self-respect for a minute.
0: You do, and you, you can set healthy boundaries and stick to it. You know like i mm. for instance i'll give you an example i put on my footer now my emails i check my emails monday through friday nine to five if you email me outside of that time you're shit out of luck <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's an emergency. <laughs> you're not an ER
1: <laughs> doctor, they can wait till Monday. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. You know, like I mean, unless it's my mom and dad. Like, yeah. I, you know, but, they, but they have other ways of contacting exactly, you. Know? Exactly. Exactly. But, but you know, I set the boundary in the foot the That's footer good. of your email. It's there. Like people can't they're like, but, but, but you're like, no, it's there. <laughs> I wrote it. And 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 the real courage, the real courage is in writing it. real courage is sticking to your boundaries you know turning off the email after five on the email on the weekend i i I did i went this whole weekend did not check my email once it felt so good i woke up this morning i was like i had like a 100 emails waiting for me but i (laughs) was like but you could handle them, yeah i could handle it because i get i know that there'll be a break like i it'll I'll be able to have it in the next weekend, <laughs> you know, yeah, free. Exactly. So you need, you need to give yourself, that's part of healthy selfishness is giving yourself a built-in balance, you know, for things. So work very hard, but set boundaries in a way that that guarantees you'll also have some homeostasis.
1: Now, all this is coming out of this concept of those three factors that are inter- operating, helping you operate in an integrated way in your sailboat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you another question just to transition. On a more personal level, what are some of the biggest challenges and struggles that you have faced and how have you overcome them? Answer that in like three seconds. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, We'll use that as our wrap-up question because we, we, you and I are going to get into it. Like, I feel like we're having one of these philosophical – I feel like we need to be sitting in a coffee shop in Oxford like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien did and yeah. be talking about these things. Cause there's or some in really Amsterdam cool having
0: hot brownies.
1: <laughs> I think I'll have the coffee in Oxford. <laughs>
0: okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I've
1: seen those pot brownies in Amsterdam. I've been there.
0: <laughs> You've seen them with your yeah, eyes. Yeah, you
1: see, I've yeah. seen them.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I was, can you believe it? But people thought I was dumb as a kid. I can't, I, I was I can't believe it. Can you believe it? Because I'm so I clearly brilliant exactly. you know, right now. But Absolutely. when I when I was a kid, <laughs> but when I was a kid, I I was in special education. I had an auditory wow. learning disability, and I was not even college bound. And wow. there was a point in ninth grade. I had a teacher, special ed teacher, who saw greater potential in me. But also, there was a breaking point where I said, "You know what? Screw this! I'm going to take care of myself for a change, and and show show people what I'm capable of." and i took myself out of special ed and i really you know applied a lot of grit and determination to show what i was capable show the school system and i good for for, you thank you i signed up for the orchestra my grandfather was a cellist with the philadelphia orchestra and he taught me how to play cello i joined the school orchestra and i also joined the choir got voice lessons won the all music department award and then got a scholarship wow. for opera singing. That's you know,
1: amazing. And, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. And you did that because you integrated. You didn't realize at that stage that you were doing that, but now in
0: retrospect, yeah. that's right. Yeah.
1: So your book was birthed out of that experience. My
0: if first book uh, for a general life, I wrote called I'm gifted intelligence redefined was one of my first books it was my first book for a general audience and yeah i told my personal story and i talked about how we need a a new model of education
1: oh for sure yeah that's absolutely for sure incredible well this has been fascinating i want to thank you for your perseverance for giving us such a story of hope and i'm so glad that you ended with that story because that is such it, it kind of highlights everything you're trying to say and the reason why people need to become more integrated and plumb the depths and get that unconscious yeah. mind, mind working, and and make and make that, and start sailing your boat. I mean, I think it's fantastic. So, how can people find out more about you?
0: Thanks, Dr. Carling. Uh, well, the Psychology Podcast. Mm-hmm. I do the Psychology Podcast. I have lots of free resources. And I just started like to get a little more active on Instagram. So if anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, it's it's at, at Scott Barry Kaufman. I promise you won't see me doing any yoga poses. Uh, any <laughs> no yoga poses. <laughs> I have w- uplifting quotes, but no, you know that's what you'll get from me.
1: That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And they can get your book all over anywhere.
0: S- anyway,
1: right? Okay, so we'll put those links in the show notes as oh, well. Okay. Well. I want to thank you for the, your time, and it was so interesting and fascinating. And as I said, you and I could really have have a long oh, philosophical yes. discussion. That's for sure. We were going well,
0: hopefully, down. Hopefully, uh, someday we could get some coffee then and do that.
1: Yeah. I think so, definitely. Well, I, I normally have my coffee around here somewhere, and post <laughs> post COVID, we can we can go for that coffee. Thank you. That's <laughs> my pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show, and thanks for your wisdom. I appreciate it so much. Nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you too. Have Bye. a good day.
1: Thank you, Scott. Bye. 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 Bye.